NPR. indicator, we love natural experiments. And in the pandemic, we got quite the natural experiment when the federal government stepped in to save childcare. Congress approved tens of billions of dollars to stabilize the industry and to make childcare affordable for millions of people so they could go to work. People like Brandy Neal in West Virginia. Her kids love their daycare. Summer was especially fun. Two field trips a week. So it was definitely they had a blast. And the price was right. In fact, it was free. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong. And I'm Andrea Hsu from NPR's Business Desk. Today on the show, how unprecedented amounts of money changed childcare. And how the end to that money, the end of the natural experiment, could throw the sector back into crisis. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This message comes from Apple Card. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It has no fees and gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Childcare is often seen as an example of a positive externality. Research shows that kids in high-quality daycares develop all sorts of skills that benefit their communities later in life. Yeah, and it allows parents and caregivers to work and contribute to the overall economy. But as we've covered on the indicator, childcare is also often seen as a market failure. Even though there are all these societal benefits, that doesn't mean daycare centers get compensation for that. So a lot of daycare centers struggle to stay afloat and a lot of parents struggle to afford care. And Melissa Calagrasso has felt that economic reality at the daycare center she owns in a rural mountainous area in West Virginia. It's called A Place to Grow. She's been doing this for 28 years and it hasn't been easy. We just had debt. We just borrowed. The number of times that payroll would come up, I'd go to my credit line at the bank and say, I'm going to have to borrow $20,000 to get through. But she's managed to make it work. I spoke to Melissa on a busy day at the center. I could see that if that song were playing all day, you might get a little tired of it. But just hearing that little snippet with the sound of the kids made me really happy. It's so cute, right? But, you know, we got to go back to when the pandemic first hit. Remember what things were like. You know, it was dire. Schools closed. Businesses closed. Melissa wondered if any of her staff would come to work, if families would still bring their kids. She thought about closing down, but people came to her in tears, begging her to stay open, saying, I have to go to work because I'm an essential worker. And so we had, you know, the paramedics and the uh, doctors and the respiratory therapists and the people working in nursing homes. Yeah, that was wild. But, you know, everybody that was being exposed and then all of our staff had to say, yeah, I'm willing to be exposed, too. 
And that was a big ask. You know, these are people who are making $9, $10 an hour. And at the time, they probably would have gotten more money had they been laid off, given the enhanced unemployment benefits people were getting. Yeah, if you remember back, it was $600 extra a week on top of state unemployment. Yeah, a lot of money. But the economic picture for childcare workers was about to change. Relief came quickly, first from the state, then from the federal government. And I've been thinking about the pandemic as sort of this Cinderella moment for childcare. It's like suddenly childcare in America got to go to the ball and we got a chance to see, you know, what would it look like if the government threw lots of money at childcare to fix all these problems? And when we say lots of money, we are talking $39 billion that Congress put toward child care as part of the American Rescue Plan. That's the biggest investment in child care in our country's history. So I guess this makes Congress the fairy godmother. Is that where we're going yeah, with this? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and that money allowed states to try all sorts of things. West Virginia announced it was making child care free for all essential workers. And child care workers were deemed essential as well. So Melissa's staff, who had kids, could bring those kids to work and have them in this high-quality daycare center for free. She didn't know how long it was going to last, but it was an enormous benefit. Not having affordable childcare options is a top reason parents don't work. And West Virginia did something else. A Place to Grow is in a low-income rural community. Most of the families there already qualified for childcare subsidies based on their income. But pre-pandemic, the state would only pay those subsidies on the days that kids actually showed up. Yeah, and there are lots of days when kids don't show up because, you know, they're out sick or grandma's here or the family goes on vacation. Melissa Calagrasso says sometimes she'd have 10 kids out and she'd have to send staff home. These teachers making 10 bucks an hour were only getting 30 or 32 hours of work in a week, and that made it hard to hold on to them. These teachers with degrees are going to say, I can't afford 32 hours. You keep sending me home. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find a full-time job. So West Virginia, along with a majority of states, started paying based on enrollment, not attendance. The state said, OK, we'll pay daycares for the slots regardless of who shows up. This meant daycare owners like Melissa could guarantee their staff a 40-hour work week. That was a huge deal. Now, I have to bring up one more huge change that happened in the pandemic. And this really made me think of Cinderella again. During COVID, because of all that federal relief money that was coming in, childcare workers started getting big raises and bonuses. In West Virginia, daycare teachers went from $10 an hour to $14 an hour, and they got thousands of dollars in bonuses. One of the teachers I talked to, Destiny Vansicle, well, she was socking away this money, and this summer she was able to pull together a down payment on a little house for her and her two boys. She told me she's already saving money by not renting. My rent was like $5.30, I want to say, and my house payment's only like $5.13 now. So it's not much, but it's that little bit goes a long ways. And Destiny had been in subsidized housing. Now she owns her own place and is building equity. Also, she has this little fenced yard that she loves. Okay, so it feels like we're still at the ball, but we do have to talk about this stroke of midnight. The majority of this federal pandemic-era money is coming to an end. The deadline for spending it was, in fact, just this weekend. So now it's kind of up to states to carry on without that federal support. And some states are stepping up. Vermont, Massachusetts, Washington State are among those pouring historic amounts of money into child care. They're making far more families eligible for subsidies and putting more state funds towards increasing supply, especially in so-called daycare deserts. 
Other states like Kentucky are trying some out-of-the-box ideas for long-term fixes, including making childcare free for all childcare workers. These are still not exactly good-paying jobs. In Kentucky, for example, the average hourly pay is $12 and change. But if you get free childcare, then suddenly it becomes more attractive than a job at Target or Amazon that might pay around $18 or $20 an hour. Still, though, with that pandemic money spent, tough decisions have been made and are still being made about what to discontinue. Those big pandemic bonuses are gone. Yeah. And in West Virginia, it's already been a year since the state stopped subsidizing childcare for all essential workers. They're back to an income-based program. And that has real consequences for people like Brandy Neal, the mom we heard from at the top. She didn't pay anything for childcare during the pandemic because her husband was an essential worker. He's military. But after that ended, they had a choice to make. Brandy and her husband make too much to qualify for the income-based subsidies. But paying for daycare for two kids would have wiped out most of her earnings. And so she was faced with this question. Am I going to work or am I going to pay for child care? Um, thankfully, my parents stepped up and were able to help me, but they're disabled. She shared that her dad, who's an iron worker, had an accident at work and suffers from a traumatic brain injury. You know, kids are loud, so they definitely spend a lot of their time watching TV, whereas if they were here, they would be playing with their friends, going on field trips. So it was definitely a big adjustment, but I feel like we just kind of have to do what we have to do at this point. There's a recognition that for people like Brandy, more needs to be done. But there's political gridlock on how much to spend on childcare. Democrats have proposed a bill that would allow the federal funding to carry on for another five years, but it is going nowhere right now. Of course, we have seen this elsewhere with pandemic-era programs. The child tax credit cut the child poverty rate in half. There's bipartisan support for making it permanent, but Congress can't agree on how to do it. So going forward, how much daycare costs, how good it is, how many spots there are, is probably going to depend on where you live. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Josephine Neonai. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kiki Cannon is our editor, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.